I was a kid growing up in Jersey. Uh, anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something, uh, we'd call him a riot. Ladies and gents, uh, this guy's a riot in more ways than one. Bob Dylan. Ticket out the window. Throw my suitcase out there too. Throw my troubles out the door. I don't need them anymore because tonight I'll be staying here with you. This is Pod Dylan, the show that celebrates the work of Bob Dylan, one song at a time. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, the Freewheeling Rob Kelly. And joining us once again is my pal, Jason MD. Hi, Jason. Hi, Rob. Uh, I'm delighted to be staying in tonight talking Bob Dylan with you. <laughs> Thanks for having me back, man. You're very welcome. I'm always happy to talk to you. So, yeah, now this episode, uh, if you're listening to it the day it comes out, uh, will be just a couple of days shy of Bob Dylan's 80th birthday, which is, of course, on May 24th, 2021. And I will say, for the longest time, I was trying to come up with ways to celebrate, you know, like what's the bad, do like a special episode with like a thousand guests and all, you know, maybe like all this work (laughs) I was creating for myself. And and none of the ideas I came up with really seemed right uh, for me or for the show. And then I decided, you know what? Dance with the one that brought you, which is the songs. You know, like just mm-hmm. examining the song. And and as I have said on on many previous episodes, I always let the guest uh, kind of direct what song we're going to talk about. But in this case, I flipped the script and I decided, well, to celebrate Bob's 80th birthday. I wanted to talk about one of my all-time favorite Bob Dylan songs, which is Tonight I'll Be Staying Here With You, the closing track from 1969's Nashville Skyline. And Jason, you were kind enough to join me on this venture to talk about this song. So Mm. I will start right off the bat. I really appreciate your coming on to talk with me about a song that I'm picking. (laughs) So I very much appreciate that. It's my pleasure. And I've got some heavy Pavlovs on this one that I'm happy to share with you. Uh, (laughs) I... I also will mention to everybody, and I told this to Jason off air, uh, this is the first time that I am recording the show with my dog, Pippa, laying on the floor behind me. So I am basement tapesing it up big time right now. Uh, So if you hear the occasional bark, uh, I will probably leave it in. If it's good enough for Bob on every grain of sand, it's good enough Mm. for Pod Dylan. But uh, yeah, this is a, we're all doing things very differently here for this episode of Pod Dylan. Great. So, all right. So uh, I'm going to continue on a little bit with the lyrics, uh, as simple and as short as they are. It says, I should have left this town this morning, but it was more than I could do. Oh, your love comes on so strong, and I've waited all day long. For tonight, I'll be staying here with you. Now, this song, famously, in Bob Dylan lore, when Bob Dylan recorded Nashville Skyline, he basically walked into the studio with like seven two-minute songs. (laughs) <laughs> and uh you know even even the most uh you know the most recalcitrant uh uh i'm using big words here um <laughs> you know artist can't get away with putting out a 14 minute album you know? <laughs> like you just you know he's not gonna be able to do that no so they were basically i guess it was it was whether it was bob johnson's uh suggestion or bob knew it himself that it was like look we need a little more here uh, so that ended up leading to some instrumentals and then the covers with Johnny Cash. And then this song, which was famously written on Ramada in Stationery, uh, which the, that uh, artifact which uh, resides in the hands of some collector. Boy, would I love to to have that piece of <laughs> Bob mm. Dylan arcana. Um, this is a song 
that um, I heard it pretty early on in my my initial you know Bob fandom, and it lodged itself in my brain as immediately one of my favorites, and it has stayed there ever since. I would put this on my top five list of favorite Bob Dylan songs. We'll get into the reason why, but Jason, I want to find out like where are you on this song? Top five. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't for me, I got to I got to the Nashville Skyline album sort of midway through and played it and thought, okay, country <laughs> stuff. All right. Why why not? Lay Lady Lay. Okay, great. Uh but it's an album that I sort of don't think of very often, but if I ever play it, I always think, oh yeah, this is, uh, this is not bad because a lot of it is what I sort of, there's a, for me, there's a sh- subgenre of Dylan songs that I think of as uh, cabin Dylan or kitchen Dylan or even cabin kitchen Dylan, <laughs> sort of hard to say, but things like I'll be your baby tonight. Um, uh, on a night like this on a night like this yes time passes slowly maybe oh, sign sure. on sign on the window stuff like that right where he's he's domestic bob at home happy to be home relaxed at home on a porch or in the kitchen you know and this is one of the best examples of of that kind of bob so every time i listen to national sky I'm like, oh yeah kitchen bob it's really <laughs> comfortable you know it's really <laughs> relaxing uh so i like it for that but as I mentioned before, can I tell you my Pavlov story for this song? Of course. Okay. In 2005, Bob was going to come to Kelowna, British Columbia, and do his first show there. Now, that's just down the road from my hometown. Sort of like it's the closest medium big city <laughs> from from the small city that I grew up in. You know, before that, we used to have to go to Vancouver, which is a six or seven hour drive or whatever it was. Uh, Cologne is 30 minutes down the, down the highway from, from my hometown. So Bob is coming for the first time ever to Kelowna, right, in 2005. So my, my mom buys tickets to the show and gives them to my dad uh, for a Father's Day present. That, I guess that's June, right? Third week sure, in yep, June. Sure, yep, June, yeah. Great. Everything's great. And then about uh, two, three weeks later, my mother suddenly passed away. Oh. Yeah. Uh, this, as you can imagine, you know, it's, there's a lot of turmoil and, and pain and sadness and so on. My dad was, I think at first thought, okay, I'm not going to the show. It's just not appropriate to go to a rock concert, you know, two days. It was just two days later. And people, you know, people close to him said, no, you should, you should go. It, those tickets, the, you know, they were her last present to you. You should, you should go. And, and so he thought, all right, maybe, maybe I will. So he ended up going and he went with my brother and uh, my best friend and a couple other tender friends. And, and so this is his first Bob Dylan concert, by the way. He's been a fan oh. since the 60s, but oh, this is his wow. first chance to go see Bob. So Bob comes out and opens with uh, Maggie's Farm, all right? And then, <laughs> just, to, just to pile it on, in a row, he did... Hold on. I want to make sure I get this right. He did, um, tonight I'll be staying here with you. I'll be your baby tonight oh and lay, lady, lay. <laughs> Those are tracks three, four, five from the set list, you know. 
And my dad said that, you know, at one point my brother kind of elbowed him, kind of nudged him as if to say, Bob's talking to you, man. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> he's, these are for you. And when I talked to my dad about it later, I said, well, what was it like, you know, for you? And he said, it was, of course it was really hard, but I did get wrapped up in it. You know, like that was Bob playing these beautiful songs and it, and it was, it was great uh, in the midst of all this horror, you know? So I like to think that that show and especially those three songs, uh, sort of took my dad out of his pain for a little while and helped, you know, in that, you know, that, with that kind of awesome power that music sometimes has to, to console and soothe and, and make things just a little bit better, even if only for, you know, the length of that concert or whatever. Wow. Wow. I, I, you know, obviously anyone um, who would attempt to speak for Bob, uh, that's a, <laughs> it's a fool's, fool's gambit. Right. Uh, but I would bet that, uh, that's the reason he does this. It's stuff like that. That's that's yeah. why he does it. That's why people have asked. It's part of the legend of like, why? Well, this guy's a multimillionaire. Why is he? He's eighty years old. Why is he shoving himself out on a tour bus? Right. So much and eating. You know. Uh, well, you know, apparently he's pretty good food, from what I understand in some interviews. But but you know, he he doesn't. He's not just sitting back in his giant onion domed mansion. Right. Uh, you know, he's he's out there working and I, I would and people have said, why? Why is he doing it? And he's given evasive answers here and there. But I would bet you that if he had heard that story, he would say that's part of the reason I do it is, is for that moment. Yeah. And thinking about my dad at that show and then thinking about Dylan and thinking about how every time he played, you know, for him, it's just Kelowna, you know, so what? Maybe he doesn't even give a shit, but there must be every time he plays to 10,000 people, there are people in the crowd who have just lost somebody or just had a kid or, you know, just lost a limb or just got married or Mm -hmm. whatever it is, you know, that kind of energy that I think that's one of the reasons these guys can't stop doing it because they get to, I don't know that, that all of that energy is pouring onto the stage. Right. And they get to sort of direct it and focus it a bit, but I think it keeps them alive, you know. Yeah, imagine the idea that you could you could do something that would connect meaningfully with multiple people on any given moment, yeah, any given yeah. night, and you have the ability to do that all the time. And then on top of it, get paid to do it. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. When you look at it like that, you're like, how could you not do it? You know, how how would you not? And that that leads perfectly to to why I love this song so much. Cause, and I've, you know, we've talked about this on other episodes. You and I might've even talked about it. It was like, you know, people that, uh, people like the, that, that want to compliment Bob Dylan, but don't like him very much. always say, well, he's a great songwriter, uh, which is the sort of backhanded compliment of like, well, he's a great songwriter, the rest of it. Meh. But you know, mm. he, he's, he, he can write, uh, you know, in the back of my fish truck that loads and my conscience explodes. So, okay, great. Mm-hmm. But this song is about as simple as it gets. And you could argue that most people, uh, most songwriters worth their salt uh, could write a song like this because the words are incredibly simple. Um, but the reason this song resonates so so powerfully with me when I, and did when I heard it is that it is one of the songs, and this is one of the reasons I you know, love this guy so much, love the work so much, is that he is able to um, strike a chord, no pun intended, in me conveying something and putting into words a feeling that I didn't know I had and mm. being 
having the song be the thing that makes me discover that in myself is enormously powerful and it's overwhelmingly powerful in some ways. And that's why this song, uh, in fact, just earlier I was, I was talking with my fiance about the song and she asked me, she said, does this song, cause this is one of, when we were getting to know each other, this is one of the first songs I ever played for her. Cause I wanted to, she doesn't, she didn't really know Bob outside of, you know, his cultural impact and some of the big songs. And so I started playing songs for her, uh, sending her songs to listen to. And this is one of the ones that I initially played. And, and, so she asked me, is this a song that resonates more with you when you're in a relationship or what kind of relationship you're in or not? And I realized that, no, when I first heard this song, I was single and I would, I love this song when I was in relationships. I love the song when I was in bad relationships. <laughs> I love this song mm-hmm. when I was single again. And, and then I was love the song when I was in good relationships. And because there was something about the warmth, I mean, you know, obviously National Skyline's a very warm album. Mm. Uh, across the board, but there's something about the idea of a guy who is normally, and you could argue, maybe this is Bob talking about himself, you know, the sort of vagabond traveling boy kind of guy. But for, for, for tonight, at least he's throwing all of that aside to be with this person and making that promise. And he continues on. Is it really any wonder the love that a stranger might receive? You cast your spell. And I went under, I find it so difficult to leave. I can hear that whistle blowing. I can see that station master too. If there's a poor boy on the street, then let him have my seat. Cause tonight I'll be staying here with you again. Another Bob Dylan song that seems to exist in a kind of like timeless area. Cause mm. it's like, he's catching a train, but like there's a poor boy on the street, which has a kind of like Dickensy Dickensian feel to it, you know? Right. Um, and yet this is 1969 when he's recording it, but that's, there's, I, I find the idea of, Casting all of your troubles aside uh, for that moment and just committing yourself to this person. And of course, Mm. in in this song, it's romantic, but it doesn't even have to be really. It can be, you're just, you're, you're, you're putting everything off for the moment to focus on whatever this thing is. It could be even a, a, you know, a pet or a project, Uh, but there's just something about that ability to be single-mindedness that I find so incredibly powerful. Yeah, that focus on, you know, I'm, I, I don't need my troubles anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, at least for tonight, I'm putting them aside and I'm right here for this. And I like the romantic part of, you know, it, yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm always on the move. But tonight, no, I'm staying here with you. But what I love even more than that, Rob, and I'd be interested how you feel about this, is what he did to it on the Rolling Thunder tour. <laughs> which is to invert it completely, right? He takes a song that is about staying home quietly with, as you say, could be anything, you know, and turns it into, I think, as close as we're ever likely to get to, you know, hello, Cleveland, that kind of (laughs) rock and roll, you know, because, you know, in in the Nashville Skyline version, what he's thrown the, the ticket out the window and his suitcase out there, out there too. too right? That's yeah. a that's a rejection of of travel really and movement, right? You know, okay, don't need the ticket or the suitcase. I'm staying here. Whereas throwing your mattress out there too, right? That suggests you're not sticking around. <laughs> like you're, you're 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 rejecting sticking around if you're throwing your mattress out, right? It's and. To put the the name of the tour in the lyrics, you know, that's a 
especially with his kiss makeup. It's a kiss move, man. Like he, he's, <laughs> really he's gone. He's gone from kitchen Dylan or cabin Dylan to, to Gene Simmons Dylan in five or six years, right? That big kind of rock and roll, you know, get ready, you know. <laughs> Hello, Cleveland! Yeah. It really is that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, this this song, uh, it made its live debut on the Rolling Thunder Tour. Uh, it's only been played live 144 times, and we'll talk about that uh, more in a moment. But yeah, it debuted on the Rolling Thunder Tour, and I can remember the first time I heard the Rolling Thunder version. Mm. And much like he did with Lay Lady Lay, for uh, like the Hard Rain concert where he turned this wonderfully romantic love song into this sort of body vicious uh, v- vicious and sometimes way just like I'm getting my rocks off kind of yeah. song and it, yeah. you know it and you, the same thing that he did what's the first track on Before the Flood uh one day what is it um Oh one day uh, uh you'll go, you go your, your way, way I'll go mine yeah yeah, yeah. What's that kind of he comes in screaming and you yeah. what wow <laughs> you go you go yeah the alternate lyrics to the rolling thunder version of this song is, is kind of amazing it changes from i could have left this town this morning and by tonight be in someplace new but i was feeling a little bit scattered and your love was all that mattered mm-hmm. and then he changes another verse is it really any wonder the changes that we put on each other's heads you came mm-hmm. down on me like rolling, rolling thunder, thunder. Yeah. i left my dreams on the riverbed and that is really one of the rare moments of bob dylan being cute where he's like, hey, everybody, elbow, elbow, rolling thunder, you yeah. know? And yeah, you hear the yeah. crowd respond. And I enjoy that he's able to just completely change the song in every respect, lyrically, tonally, thematically, right. audio, sonically. Uh, but I did find the rolling thunder bit of like, all right, Bob, all right. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit much, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm, 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 I'm always happy when... Um, songs like this of his from his catalog that I feel like that he I don't even want to say he buries because that that requires a sort of active uh, it requires an act and he's not burying it he's just forget he's just leaving it by the side of the road mm-hmm. I always when it's when it's a song that I really love and then he digs it out again I always feel like like you talked about not in the same way obviously but like talking about you know the mo- that feeling your father had in the concert where I'm like oh he's talking to me directly. Yeah. When he pulls this song out, and the one I'm thinking of is uh, he sang this at the MTV Unplugged concerts. Now, it didn't make the final cut uh, of that show because they just kind of leaned on the hits there. But he does do Tonight I'll Stay Staying Here With You for MTV Unplugged. And it's the original version. It mm. ends the way the original song ends, which is, uh, you know, throw my troubles out the door. I don't need them anymore. And it's really sweet. Like, it's a really great version. And, you know... I know consciously Bob is not talking to me because he doesn't know I exist. Um, But Mm. nevertheless, I feel like there's that connection of like, oh, he's reminding some people that love this song. Hey, I don't forget this song. I I choose not to play it, but I don't, I didn't forget it. And I'm going to pull it out during the MTV Unplugged sessions. And I, I don't know why uh, I love Bob. I love Bob's work because I love it. I don't know why I feel like I have to have like some sort of like a, uh, verification <laughs> from other people it doesn't what's the difference or from him yeah. or from over him but but at the same time i did remember in the mid i think it was like the very early 2000s there was a uh, uh, another bob dylan birthday celebration every 10 years it's a big deal obviously but i remembered there was i think it was rolling stone asked a bunch of artists what's your favorite bob dylan song and then you know you guessed the usual suspects there was like joan mm-hmm. baez and 
Roger McGuinn, Tom Petty. But I remember they asked Beck, and it was Beck at the height of his popularity. I mean, he uh-huh. was radi- He was you know lava hot at that point. Yeah, and he said, and "Great, yeah, yeah." And he said, "Tonight I'll be staying here with you." Oh, and really? I was like, "Oh my god!" I was like, "Beck loves this song." I was so, and of course, Beck with all of his feedback and devil's haircut and all this yeah, stuff. You yeah. wouldn't expect that he would like this simple country song, but I just felt it felt weirdly validating that I was like, oh Beck, Beck picked this song. I was and then later and then right around that same time, it appears on uh, the soundtrack to High Fidelity. Uh there's the scene where John Cusack's character uh, has the one night stand with um Oh, the, the musician. Lisa Bonet? Lisa Bonet. You hear right. that on the soundtrack. And I literally remember oh, being in it? the theater. I was in the theater and I levitated out of my seat. <laughs> I was so happy to hear that song on the soundtrack. So, And isn't that also, isn't most of the time in there too? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Right. It's great. It's marvelous. And so I, I was like, you know, good on you, soundtrack editor, music, music right. supervisor music on guy. High Fidelity for using that. Great for you. But yeah, I, it's, one of my favorite things that I have learned uh, over, over my course of uh, my years on this planet, one of the favorite things that I love is going to bed, not having to be up in the morning. I have found that that is one of my simple pleasures. Oh, yeah. That is such a remar- marvelously relaxing thing to crawl into bed uh, with, with my family, whatever the context, whatever the family is at that given moment. Um, uh, and, and knowing that the alarm clock is off and then I do not have anywhere to be first thing in the morning and I can wake up at my leisure. That is, I have found that to be one of the great pleasures of my life. And it's a very mm. simple thing, mm. but I nevertheless, I, when I know that we can just go and sometimes we go to bed like very early because we're just like, you know what, we're going to watch TV in bed and just relax. We got the dog and it's that this is the song I think about <laughs> when I think of those moments of just like, all right, I'm, just doing this, everything else can wait. The phone is plugged in in another room. It's right. not, you know, and, and yeah. that, this song just just eternally rings that bell with me. And that's why I love it so much. Well, I have a, a, well, I have a question about that for you, Rob. And do you think if this, if this weren't a Bob Dylan song, same song, but by, I don't know, Johnny Ringo and the, and the Ringos, <laughs> And you just heard this country song on the radio. Do you think you would perk up at the lyrics or anything, you know, and go, oh, I kind of, who, who's this? Or I guess what I mean is, do you tend to extend a little extra sort of tenderness or patience or whatever it is, attention, I suppose, because it's still in? Like if this was playing in the background and if you're in a sports bar in San Diego all, all on your own and <laughs> feeling bad and this song came on the radio by somebody else, would you notice it? Or do you think it's because it's, because it's still in you, you, you give it that little, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, extra bit of attention. In, That's yeah. a great question. Uh, I, sure. I think I have to give it a little more, credence in my head and my heart because it's Bob. And part of it is because Bob is so, uh, you know, definitely leans into or, or is very cognizant of the dark side of life. You know, I mean, this Mm -hmm. is a guy that just wrote a seven minute song about, I'm not dead yet. I'm getting there, but I'm not dead yet. Um, and, and, you know, released as a single for Pete six. Um, but because he is so willing to 
offer up his view of the dark side of existence, that when he is straightforward, blissfully happy, it to me, it gives it more credence because you're like, well, this is not a guy who's just interested in pushing the smile button all the time. This is a guy who's willing to present, you know, unfortunate or unpalatable ideas or, or thoughts and your face to deal with your, your, your forced to deal with them. But here he's just being completely straightforward. And to me, yeah, it gives it that extra level of, okay, he's willing to be, um, he's putting all that, he's putting all that aside. He's putting all, I mean, all the troubles of the world still exist outside your window and they don't stop. But for tonight I can pause. And he has talked about that too, about, Mm. Uh, he talked about that when he was recording Blood on the Tracks, which he's, he talked about learning uh, that tr- trick. I hate to even call it a trick, but learning that from Norman Rabin, the idea of you're like stopping time and you're in the moment. And it's a very Zen kind of Buddhist kind of thought of like, okay, yeah, or, you know, I mean, if you want to borrow it from pop culture, you know, Yoda, you know, chastising Luke, you know, you're always minded where you were, what, right, what he was, right. what he was doing, never thinking of where you are in this moment and living mm. in this moment. Um, right. And I will say as a complete aside, I will tell you in the days of the going to see Bob Dylan concerts pre-internet, which did exist, everybody. Mm. Uh, I used to have to mentally record the songs in my head so I could remember the set list because of course, once the concert was over, the set list was gone forever. And of course in them, you're not really in the moment then because you're constantly sort of like photographing the own, your the moment in your head. Sure. And once the internet came along, it's like, Oh, I don't have to worry about this anymore. Cause it's, it's going to be available five seconds after I'm done. You could have just taken a notebook or something, you know. <laughs> it's dark. It's dark in the concert hall, Jason. What are we doing? <laughs> well, but I mean, I you know, yeah. But, but right. yeah, so yeah, I think it's, I think if somebody else sang this song that was more of an upbeat kind of just, oh, everything's always great all the time, mm. it wouldn't resonate with me. But it's, it's Bob Dylan who just a couple of years earlier sang, you know, Visions of Johanna and sang Like a Rolling Stone and sang yeah. Desolation Row. Yeah. I mean, four years out from Desolation Row, here he is right. singing this wonderful, uh, you know, tribute to to just putting all your troubles aside and, right. and loving loving someone with your whole heart, if maybe just for that night, maybe for a little longer, but just focusing on it in that moment. And again, it's uh, it was obviously a song that Columbia had some uh, realized it was probably a, a standout on the record because after Lay Lady Lay, it, this was released as a single. I didn't know that until I was researching it for this this episode. It was released as a single with Country Pie. Uh, it didn't really chart uh, very well, mm-hmm. but it, but Columbia did in fact think it had some ongoing you know life as a single. And I would say as you know, it, there are a lot of great songs on Nashville Skyline. Lay Lady Lay, of course, is the most by far the most famous. But I think in a lot of ways, this is, this is the most substantial song. It, it, as lightweight as it is, I feel like this has the most in it mm. uh, versus something like Country Pie or, or uh, Tell Me That It Isn't True. Again, they're all a lot of great songs. But this one just – and the fact that it closes the record on top of it. It's, yeah. it's like, hey, I just finished recording this record. I'm dealing with – I'm being Bob Dylan. I'm recording an album to put out and it's going to be part of the marketplace and yada, 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 all these things. I got to fulfill this contract that I signed right. with Columbia records, yeah. but all, and now, but now I'm done. I'm done. This is it. We're putting, and the fact that it wraps up the record to me is, 
just so beautiful. And it remains probably my favorite. I mean, it's not like quote unquote the best Bob Dylan closer. I don't know how you album closer. Oh. I don't know how you I don't know how you beat We, we both know we both know what that is, Rob. What, what's what's your favorite? It's Journey Through Dark Heat, right? Where <laughs> That's, are you tonight? Yeah. I mean, he, he's good at that. He's good at album closers. I mean, exactly. Desolation Row, Restless Farewell, Journey Through yeah, Dark yeah. Heat. I mean, he Bucket knows how to close his record. Yes, he does. But Journey Through Dark Heat is the best one of all. I like that, <laughs> you know, it's, again, it's always a dodgy game to sort of, uh, the song should exist outside of Dylan's personal life. But I do enjoy reading about how this, by all accounts, was, or by most accounts anyway, a happy, contented time yeah. in his life, right? That he making was the baby, him and the, him making, and Sarah, babies making the baby and yeah. sort of just after the famous crash and, you know, just playing music and reading the Bible and having babies and so on. And the picture on the cover of Nashville skyline, that's what, that's sort of the oh, impression. Photo. Yeah. It's a beautiful photo. It's really yeah. tender and charming and friendly. It's that you don't get to see that Bob too often, right? You know, that's no. not the sixties Bob at all. This is a new guy. And maybe a lot of people wanted the 60s, Bob. Hey, where's that sneering, angry mm-hmm. guy, you know? Mm-hmm. No, but I kind of like this tender, <laughs> tender, rustic cabin, Bob. It's nice, you know? Yeah, I can't. I can only imagine what it would be like to have him, someone of this power, uh, play and write something for you and aimed at you like that. That's got to just be an extraordinary, you know, woof, you're really going to get your attention. Right. That kind of thing. And so, yeah, it's, it's just a song that's uh, other favorites of mine uh, are, are more complex songs. I've said Tangled Up in Blue is on my top five list and that's a sprawling, huge song. Sure. Yeah. And, and, but this, and then, again, this is one of the things I keep going back to is why I love this guy is that he's able to, he's able to, to stir things in me in using all different, all different ways, in all different ways, he can he can do big, like Tangled Up in Blue, you know, where it's this you know big song, or he can do Series of Dreams, which I've already said is my favorite song of his of all time. That's a huge song. I mean, that's to me that that song encompasses all of existence for Pete's sakes, you know. <laughs> I mean, that's that song. But this, but but yet I can put this song up against those songs, and they don't feel. It doesn't feel like this is less than. To me, this is just as powerful and just as uh, valuable a song as those songs, even though they are much. Those songs are much more ambitious. Sure, um, but just the fact that he's able to do it, and except like every time I hear it, it makes me happy. And 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 one other thing I can, as a personal aside, is I when I was in art school, God, so many years ago, uh, we had to do uh, we had an assignment where we had to illustrate a song in comic book form, in sequential form. And back then I was doing this sort of faux uh, pseudo-intellectual uh, collage thing. And I illustrated series of dreams. And I did this thing of a guy walking through this path and there's all these weird images, well, yada, yada, yada. Um, and, and uh, I, but I, people liked it and people liked it. My teacher liked it. They thought it was interesting and, and they didn't know the song, of course. And I illustrated it with the lyrics or whatever. And I never quite, during those years gave up on that. I thought, well, this is kind of an interesting idea of turning Bob Dylan songs into comic book narratives. Is that a thing? And I tried it again with Angelina, uh, which was mm-hmm. less successful. And I actually had an idea to try to do this song of all things. I never did it, but I actually had the idea of um, telling a story of uh, a man and a woman 
and um, I would have had to have drawn it, uh, not because it wouldn't have worked in collage style. And and I um, I don't I still don't draw very well, so I, I never did it. But the idea was like a man out, a man and a woman off doing separate things, uh, off leading their lives, and they're working or they're doing different things, and they're they're completely separated. And then the you see that all of this leads to the end of the night and their night together. And it's illustrated with the lyrics of we're going through all this. We're going through all mm-hmm. of our daily paces, but at the end tonight, I'll be staying here with you. And it was each person saying that to the other person. All right. You know, and I never did it, but I always, I can sort of picture it in my head. That's how powerful the song It It still has stuck with me all this time. And you've just reminded me of uh, when my, when my kids were, I mean, they're still young, but when they were younger than they are now, I used to make all these little movies about them, or my wife would film us goofing around. <laughs> and there is a clip of us, I think Joe was, my son Joe, I think he was four or five, and Sasha was maybe three or two, can't remember. Anyway, we're on the couch, and I'm reading, it was their favorite book at the time, which was... I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's the book version of God gave, or man gave names to all the animals. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know that book? Yeah, I had it. Okay, yeah. So I'm reading it to them, and my youngest, Sasha, didn't like the last page with the snake. So, <laughs> you know, I would, I would read the, you know, the, the penultimate page, you know, by a tree near a lake, and I'd flip it over. He'd say, no! <laughs> Flip the page back, you know, <laughs> and I say it again. And he said, "No, <laughs> Bob Dylan books, man. There's that's there's a whole other subject there." Yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Whole, whole now, other I have to be found there. Rob, I had two questions that I wanted to ask you. All right, my two questions for you. The first is, do you do you ever rewrite uh, D- Dylan lyrics that you find? insufficiently great like do you ever think oh that that one that one line there is not terrific it should be this the reason i ask is well because i was listening to the the sir studio rehearsal version of um tonight i'll be staying here with you have you Mm -hmm. heard that yes where he sort of i'm not sure that he remembers the you know he seems to be sort of making them up or and he's but he does sing if there's a cowboy on the plains let him have my train. I thought, <laughs> that's not very good, Bob. Surely it should be, let him have my reins, right? Oh, right. Sure, of course. Yes. And the, I, I sort of never thought about it until my brother, my, young, my younger brother, well, I only have one brother and he's younger than me. And he, we were talking about, because uh, he was here in Japan with me when uh, Love and Theft came out and we were... The day it came out, we bought it, and we were on a train to Nagoya, and we said, "Okay, I think I had a like a CD player at the time. Must have been a CD player, yeah." So we said, "Okay, let's just go one song once and just pass it back and forth." You know, so we both listened to what is it, Tweedledee and Tweedledum, and then mm-hmm. and then Mississippi, and you know, like, and I'm watching his face, <laughs> and he's going, "Oh, great!" And, you know, that's anyway we were sort of big on uh, love and theft at the time. And I just remember him sitting back one day and going, you know, that line in, um, in uh, what's it? The one about, I can't remember the name of the song now. Um, High water. 
Okay. You know, what I asked Fat, Fat Nancy for something to eat. She said, take it off the shelf. As mm-hmm. great as you are, man, you'll never be greater than yourself. Mm-hmm. I told her I didn't really care. High water everywhere. And I just remember my brother sitting back and saying, that line should be, the sh- I looked, but the shelf was bare. <laughs> and I, at my first instinct was, who, are you, who the fuck do you think you are? <laughs> but then I thought, oh, you're right, because he's already... He's already used I don't care in the previous verse, right? With the dead or alive, I don't yeah, care. Yeah, when I'm dead or alive, I don't care. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy, you are, man. You'll never be greater than yourself. I looked, but the shelf was bare, high water everywhere. That is better. Right? <laughs> so my question, do you ever do that? Okay. I, I do not consciously like sit there and say, you know what would be better this, but what I, what I, I, what I have done is I have misheard lyrics as different things. And then I've, then I've gone back and I, you know, look it up or found, and I, and I've gone, Oh, I kind of like the one I misheard better than the one that's that's a line in uh, working man's blues. Number two, which is one of my, another one of my all time favorite songs of his that, there's a line about, I, I don't want to quote it because I don't want to get too far off of this song, but like there's a line in that that I misheard and I was always like, oh no, I must have heard it this way. And then I read the official lyrics and I go, oh, that's all right. It's, it's okay, but I like mine better. So right. yeah, so I don't, I don't literally sit there and say, whoa, I could do better than Bob Dylan because imagine that, you know, <laughs> um, I'm not your brother. Uh, but uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I once in a while I have misheard something, and the misheard version, misheard version is right to me slightly more interesting than the slightly one better. Years. Right? Okay. The other question I wanted to ask you, Rob, was what's the what's the best thing you've ever thrown out a window? <laughs> um. Ooh, what's okay? I think I, well, I actually have an answer to that. Um, back again, back in art school, uh, we had a. Um, for some reason, the teacher decided to, the the teacher of I forget what class it was might have been life drawing. I don't that doesn't make any sense. But anyway, um, the teacher made us break up in groups and uh, do a presentation for the rest of the group. I don't know why he made us do that because what what artist is going to have to do that? But they he made us. And I, despite uh, recording seventeen podcasts a week, I don't like being in front of people. I don't like being on stage. I don't like performing. It's very, very nerve wracking to me. I have been on stage a handful of times in my life and I don't like it. Um, but I, so I was like, well, if we're going to do this, uh, let's lard it up with as many jokes as possible to just keep it interesting. And there, I don't remember the joke, but there was a bit where I had an artifact related to so this story's so long sorry i had an artifact i had an artifact related to what we were talking about and when i was done with it i tossed it out the open window uh okay. and we were on the second floor yeah and not only did i do that i queued up a little uh doohickey that made a crashing window sound effect <laughs> aka david letterman right so right as i threw it out the window you heard a sound effect and only a couple people laughed, but I was proud of my ingenuity that I was like, <laughs> I'm trying to keep this entertaining, everybody. So 
I think I had to go out and retrieve it out of the grass because, you know, we didn't want people to see that they were throwing sure. things out the window. So that's my answer to your question. <laughs> a couple of people laughing is pretty good. Ralph yeah, Kelly. not too bad. It's all right. Yeah, too bad. yeah, yeah. So, all right. Well, well, then I have a perfect question. I have actually two questions for you, Jason. Okay. Uh, as we're wrapping up this episode. Um, and this is, I'm going to start with the, the first question that I've been asking everybody for the last couple of weeks. So, you know, it's coming. Mm. Um, you know, we know now that, that, you know, COVID's wrapping up. Uh, I've been vaccinated. Uh, the CDC has changed its uh, rules about masks. So it, I think it's safe to assume that Bob Dylan will be resuming touring sometime mm. soon. Very exciting. So what song, Jason, do you want to hear Bob open your first concert with? Okay. I was hoping you would ask me the way you asked, I think, Roy, when you said, if Bob came up to you and... yeah. Asked you yes. what song. Okay. Hey Jason, what song do you want to hear, Jason? That's what he's because hey, hey, you Jason, may, <laughs> Yeah, I was hoping you would bring out your yeah, impression. Terrible Bob Dylan impression. You you may not know me this uh, about me, Rob, but I'm a I'm an undefeated amateur boxer, right? So I pictured it, I'm training in Dylan's secret oh, boxing the secret gym. gym, yeah. 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 And I'm wailing away on the heavy bag, right? And I'm sweating in a in a really sexy way and a thoughtful way also. <laughs> and no, let's, let's act it. You're Dylan, right? So you come up to me. I'm thudding away. Okay. Ask me. All right. Hey, <laughs> hey, Jason. Yeah. Yeah, Bob. <laughs> so I'm uh, also Bob, which is oh, interesting. Yeah, this is weird. Uh, I fought with my twin. That enemy within. Uh, so uh, Jason, I have to ask you when I'm going back in concert, what song do you want to hear first? Man, you got a lot of nerve asking me that question. <laughs> Seeing as you already know the answer, Bob, it's ISIS. It's got to be ISIS, man. <laughs> yeah, but that is my answer. To you and to Bob in the gym, it's definitely ISIS. And I would love to see him walk out and then shuffle over to the piano and then, you know, do 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 Yeah, I, that's my, what you know, you were talking about your sort of top, five or top 10 or whatever i've got my top five rotating right. dylan songs mm-hmm. isis is always in there uh i've been subjecting my son joe to the the version in the in the rolling thunder documentary on netflix all the time to such an extent i mean he's a very patient kid so you know he'll he'll watch it but he sort of picked it up and he's <laughs> he's started saying i guess to to questions that i asked <laughs> <laughs> go joe how old were you when we moved to this house and he's, he'll say ah i think i was four i guess <laughs> that's marvelous but, yeah it's great marvelous. I guess. everything is well i guess uh but it would be isis for the opening track but i i know you didn't ask this but i'm gonna give it to you anyway i don't care what he plays after that in the in the acoustic bit in the middle when he's mm-hmm. He's suddenly playing guitar again, uh, up to me. And oh, then wow, wow. Oh, the last song is, uh, yeah, Where Are You Tonight, Journey Through Dark Heat. That's oh, my, my God. <laughs> that and would be can like play, the greatest Bob Dylan concert of all time. He can play whatever he wants. in the. He can play The Ugliest Girl in the World right. and, you know, Joey. Right, whatever, whatever. <laughs> Sally Sue Brown. He can do yes. all that stuff. It doesn't yeah. matter as long as those three bits, yeah. 
That well, that would be uh, that would be pretty amazing. So, well, that's good. Great answer, great answer. So, all right, I I do have one other question for you, and I didn't I didn't prep you for this one because I have not asked the other people. As as we talked about at the top of the show, this is the episode that is coming out closest to Bob's 80th birthday, and um, you know I'm pretty sure Bob listens to this show, so you can oh, yeah, <laughs> of does course he does. Um, so I mean, do you have any anything that you want to say about or to Bob? Uh, as he approaches this this milestone, I, I, I you know I hate to I hate to, to to floor you with that or but 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 here we are. I mean, is there anything in your do you have anything in your mind about Bob Dylan turning eighty? Hmm. Just well done, man. Mm-hmm. That's it, you know. And thank you for the yes. for the work and the tours. That's it, you know. That's all he owes us is the is the work. Well, he doesn't owe us anything, but he's given us the work and the work is so fantastic and it's still coming out as just as fantastic as ever. Like that last record. Yes. is so great. Uh, so yeah, just thank you. You know, like I, I've read a lot about, and I've often thought about, you know, meeting fate. Like if I could have met John Lennon, what would I say? Or, you know, if I could have met Leonard Cohen or if I, if I meet Bob or Tom Waits or whoever, what would I say? And, I think the only appropriate gesture is to say, thank you. Thank you for the work, man. I really dig it. And leave it at that, you know. There's the, I keep reading about, I think it was a John Lennon interview. I could be wrong, but I think it was John Lennon who said, the very weird thing about being really, really famous is that nobody sees you in the moment. They all want to tell you about when you change their life, right. right? You know, so it's always the Ed Sullivan show or the the concert that they went to or Shea State or whatever it is. And that must get a bit sort of irritating after a while. Oh, I meant to tell you, uh, bring it up. That Have you seen that? In, I just saw it the other day. That interview on, it's on YouTube with, um, who's the director of Mastin Anonymous? Is it Larry Larry Charles. Charles. Yeah, Larry yeah. Charles. Have you seen that where he's talking about meeting Dylan and 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 them uh going to HBO to Yeah. <laughs> yes. Right? Where where he was talking about the way Dylan reacts to people, you know, <laughs> people still ask why did you go electric and then he says oh. why why did you go electric? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was hilarious, right? But he also said that he would just stare at people and then turn and walk away. Like he was he was comfortable with that level of, you know, rejection and being weird. And I thought, well, he must be by now because, yeah. yeah. So, I, I, yeah, yeah. I would probably just say, I, his, I don't know, in, I can't remember the year. It was a couple of days after I'd seen Dylan here in Japan. And then for various reasons, I had to fly to, Australia with my boss at the time, who was wow. this repellent, homophobic, awful, just a terrible human being. And I had to sit next to this asshole on the plane to Australia. That's a long and, flight. And, but Dylan was going to Australia after Japan, right? And I've often worried that Dylan was on that flight, you know, and oh. he heard me talk you know he probably wasn't and if he was he would have been in first class presumably but <laughs> it, just the timing was just 
perfect. I thought, I, I really hope I don't, you know, like the next album, I hope there's, not, like I, I hope there's not a line where I go, hey, that's the thing I said to my asshole boss on the, you know, <laughs> and Dylan overheard it. But, you know, if he had been, I'd like to think if I'd seen him that I would have said, oh, Bob, Love and Theft is great. Thanks, you know, and mm -hmm. left it at that, you know, and gone back to my seat and that's it, right? You know. Yeah, I mean that's right. I feel like every year when it's his birthday, I just if I if I could ever say anything to him, I would just say thank you, just thank yeah. you. I, I I've again I've said this on a previous episodes, but I think if I ever ran into Bob, like in a store or something, there's that famous photo of him at like a blimpy, you know, reading the sporting news and like right. imagine you know you're you're going into a, a blimpy's at three in the morning to get a get yourself a. Uh, you know, a snack and there's Bob Dylan standing there in his cowboy hat and his boots. And you're like, Oh my God. And I, I like to think that I would have the presence <laughs> of mind to make eye contact with him and then just give him a thumbs up and walk away. Right. And that's sort it. Of not, you know, not, can I get a selfie? I mean, it'd be so tempting, but I like to think I'd be able to, to be like, I want to honor Bob. Just, Hey man, thumbs up and walk away. Just, that's it. Right. That's it. Acknowledge. But walk yeah. away, right? Yeah, and then hope that he he finds you so cool for doing exactly. that. Exactly. He goes, "Hey, man, just a, hey, man, just a second. You want to come on the going? tour bus? What, what are you doing? Exactly. <laughs> you want to come on tour and document everything? Come Tony on. Tony Garnier wants to do your show. Like, oh, thanks. You want to write a song? Come on, I got this idea. Can you finish this couplet? It starts <laughs> off. I'm in a sports bar in San Diego. Yeah, we got what rhymes with San Diego. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Bob, I got a lot of ideas. Yeah, okay. My, All right, we're this okay. Is, this episode has descended into madness now, but that's okay. Uh, that, that, what's it? Those are all great answers. Those are all great answers. So uh, we just want to say happy birthday, Bob. Hope happy you birthday, have, Bob. Yeah, many, many more. Yes, uh, Jason. Thank you once again. You know, I always enjoy talking to you. Uh, the, the Likewise, getting to, man. Getting to meet you uh, through, through this show has been really one of the great rewards of doing this. And I always am happy to have you on. And I'm very well, happy to, um, I mean it, and I'm very happy to say that you are now a podcaster. Uh, yes. So why don't you tell, you obviously heard me and you're like, if this idiot can do it, anybody can do it. So it can't be that hard. So what, what is the show? What is the show that you're doing now? Tell people That's where exactly. they can find it. It's exactly what I thought. Um, <laughs> the show is called Writers Read Their Early Shit. And the idea is that authors and, well, all kinds of creative people come on and share their embarrassing early efforts. Um, I'm not talking about the first draft that later becomes something good. I'm talking about that that G.I. Joe novel that you wrote in grade four, Uh I wrote a Hardy Boys novel in elementary school, entirely plagiarized from the actual first Hardy Boys novel, things like that. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a space for people to come in sort of unburden themselves of that embarrassing early stuff. Uh, I, I wasn't sure if people would, 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 you know, like if writers would be willing to, but the reaction is people, every writer I've approached has said, oh, yeah, I've got something for you. Just just you wait. I recorded my first episode last week um, with a musician friend of mine from the UK who now lives uh, just north of Tokyo. And he read the lyrics to <laughs> this, this song he wrote. 
30 years ago. Uh, this re Well, you'll, you'll see when it comes out. It's great. So uh, it's called, yeah, writers read their early shit. Um, Killing yourself you can, with the SEO on that, uh, Jason. But yeah, okay. well, okay. But <laughs> you can access it uh, on Facebook where it's actually called writers read their early crap because <laughs> Facebook was, even with the asterisk, they didn't. They they didn't like it. Uh, it's up because, so because as far, we know, the word shit is the most offensive thing you're going to find it's on Facebook. Terrible, and I'm yeah, it's it's, it's 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 the worst ever. You're right. Even my son won't say it. Right, <laughs> shoes. Uh, so yeah, but it's now available just about everywhere. Um, it's on Stitcher and Spotify and all kinds of other places, and it's been submitted to Apple Podcasts. So I I assume it will appear there soon. Yep, and. Uh, yeah, if and if anybody has some embarrassing early shit, Rob Kelly, if you have some embarrassing early shit you'd like to share, that'd be great. I'd love to have you on someday, man. I would be, always be happy to to do it, Jason. I, yeah? I enjoyed the first episode very much, and uh, thank you. I'm looking forward to hearing hearing more of it. It's a great premise for a show, and it's very gutsy of your guests to come on and talk about something that was not very good. So uh, that's very exciting. I'm said I'm 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 excited to to hear where the show goes. So again, thank you once again for for coming back, man. I always love talking to you. My pleasure. Thank you for having me, and it's a great show. I listen all the time, man. That that one with. Uh, Roy, when you guys were talking about Is Your Love in Vain? Yeah, Roy Mahler. Just, yeah. yeah the, finally to, you know, street legal. More street, street legal, legal. More street legal. Yes. I couldn't believe it. Five years. Five years I let go by. So, yes. okay. Uh, <laughs> hey, everybody. Um, of course, you can find back episodes of the show on the website, findwaterpodcast.com. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Uh, if you want to support the Fine Water Podcast Network, of which Pod Dylan is a part, please go to patreon.com slash fwpodcast, and there you can unlock various rewards, one of which is to be name-checked on a show of your choice. So big thanks to Robert Ward, Steve Cronin, Max Hutzel, Sebastian Krug, and George Doherty for their support of Pod Dylan. One note in terms of the scheduling. I have been doing Pod Dylan for five years now straight, and I have never taken a break. Uh, and so I'm going to take a couple of weeks off, um, normally the show does three episodes a month and then I take one week off for another show that I do, but I'm going to take a couple extra weeks off to uh, record some other shows that are very pressing uh, right now on my schedule. And there's only so many hours in the day. So I'm going to give Pod Dylan a couple of weeks off, but it will return on Saturday, June 19th. So uh, I apologize everybody for a couple of weeks. There won't be any Pod Dylan's, but I think somehow, You'll find a way to survive. Uh, you can listen to Jason's podcast in the meantime. <laughs> so like I said, Pod Dylan will return on Saturday, June 19th. So again, thanks everybody for listening and uh, we will see you later. Bye. Get out the window Throw my suitcase out there too Throw my troubles out the door I don't need them anymore Cause tonight I'll be staying here with you